and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. I'm Raven, and I'm here with Andrew, one of our pastors at Providence Church, and Steve, our musical worship director. The goal of this podcast is to form disciples to live all of life with the presence of God, and we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Today, we're discussing why we sing hymns on Sundays. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Steve, welcome back to the Christian Formation Podcast. Thanks for having me back. It's Always. good to be back. You guys, we had a couple of people, more than I was expecting, email and or come up to us on Sunday and tell us how interesting it is to hear their voice on a recording. The last podcast episode, Andrew had encouraged people to listen to their voice being recorded. I am surprised that people did it. I know. Steve, do you like hearing your voice? Oh, no, I hate it. I hate, <laughs> I was just telling Raven that I don't ever go back and listen to these podcasts that I'm on because I just think it's cringy to listen to myself. Does it sound a lot different than you think? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's weird. I've heard it has something to do with your skull and the way, like mm-hmm. the reason you don't sound the same to yourself live than you do like on a recording because of the structure of something mm. going on in your head. I talked to Aaron Haydenfelt, who helps edit these podcast episodes and our voices so that they sound more pleasing pleasing. to the ear. And he (laughs) said that the reason it sounds different is because when you talk, hearing your own voice kind of reverberate in your Mm. ear, it sounds deeper and has more bass to it. And then to everyone else, though, it doesn't have that deep of a bass. And so he said that that's why it sounds so weird and high pitched sometimes. Yeah. So it's a real thing to feel like you sound different. I think. Yeah. But yes, I hate listening to myself. Yeah, I don't like it either. Do you hate listening to yourself sing? Because you listen uh, to yourself sing Yeah, on kind Sundays. of, but I'm used to it, I would okay. say. Yeah, I still cringe a little bit, but not not as much as just like hearing my normal voice, yeah. like speaking or whatever. Andrew, do you listen to any of the podcast episodes? Is it weird for you, you to hear your voice? Uh, oh, I guess he doesn't. <laughs> I listen to some. Yeah. yeah. It is weird to hear yeah, on anything. I feel like similarly, I've probably heard it enough now like through because before when i started preaching i don't know if this was like just the people i was around but people really encouraged like you should go listen Mm -hmm. to yourself or watch yourself which is helpful because you notice all the little like ticks or things that you do that you don't really notice you just kind of do them and when you watch yourself or Mm -hmm. hear yourself you notice that more which is hard to like it makes you very insecure Mm. but it is actually helpful because it you can actually try to get rid of some of those things but i don't as much anymore but if i do hear myself I guess I'm just used to it. I still don't mm-hmm. love it, but you yeah. just get used to it. Yeah. I, I know I sound weird, Dude, and yeah. so you and just you, get over it. You listen back and watch yourself back to So you have video and voice to look back to, which is horrible yeah, on be, two levels. Yeah. Why do I do that with hard. my hands? Why am I, I talking know. like that? Why do I look so weird? Yeah. When I've talked to young preachers, so people who are just starting, it's one of the worst things to start realizing some of that stuff about yourself, but some of the most helpful things right. like to notice, you know, if you are always doing the same thing with your hands or you're always touching your glasses or pulling up your pants or some some like Mm kind of nervous tick you do kind of notice that like if you're listening to that or watching them and so it is helpful to become aware of it although Mm -hmm. it makes you really insecure it is tough but it's good in the long run if you're gonna Mm -hmm. if you're gonna have some sort of ministry or job or something where you are in front of people a lot speaking or singing or something to know that stuff early is helpful 
but it makes it difficult. Mm. And then you're just in your head the whole time, like the next couple times you're doing it. Oh, yeah. But it's a little bit of suffering early so that hopefully you have more fruit later on. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Did everyone who wrote in say they did not like their voice? Yeah. Or did anybody say that they loved it? Pretty much every. I don't think anyone said that they loved that would it. Be odd. I also think it would be kind of weird to say, hey, I love my voice. Mm, I don't think it'd be Do you strange. think, like, I mean, like singers that know they have a good voice? Like Adele, you think, you think she loves her voice? Adele loves Dude. her voice. <laughs> Even people who I think are incredible singers, when they talk about their voice, they downplay or do, they just don't recognize how good they are. Like, I mean, Bailey, dude, your yeah. wife. She's so She's good. amazing. And whenever, I don't know, she talks about her voice or something, she's like, ah, oh, it's just not good. Or like, I'm sick or it doesn't sound right. I'm like, what? You sound, that literally you sound just happened so yesterday. She, we saw this video that you guys did in the bar. You guys were doing a song and the video looks awesome and her yeah. voice sounds great. Yeah. She's like, oh, it's a little bit pitchy. And I'm, uh, like, I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't, I I don't know. know. I'm an average person listening because I don't know music that well. I'm like, that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. And most people mm-hmm. are like that. So yep. yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. that's true. Think, yeah. Maybe everyone. And you're also probably your like, mo- your, your, uh, own worst critic. Yeah, your own worst critic. Yeah, right. So yeah. that's probably also part of it too. Yeah. Agreed. I know. I think it's different for everyone and it does depend on how much exposure you have to it because when I'm sitting here editing or even in speech and debate class, we would have to take a video and an audio recording and look over both. So we watch the video, also listen to the audio to see, oh yeah, I do that weird thing with my hands or I say like all the time or I say um and you just kind of have to pick those out and also get used to hearing your voice if you're going to do any type of speaking or singing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I saw that video and that's so funny that Bailey thought that because she's awesome she and you're is, like, no. wait, what? Incredible vocalist for sure. Yes. Well, speaking of singing today, we are discussing hymns, which are songs that we sing on a Sunday and we'll get into all of the technical terms. But Steve is our resident hymn expert on this podcast. That's a part of your official title. (laughs) But we're excited to sing them. (laughs) (laughs) But we're excited to dive into speaking about hymns. And I feel like as a church family, From the beginning, we have tended to sing hymns quite frequently, I would say, on Sundays, which, Andrew, you could probably speak to that. Was that something that was part of Providence's DNA from the beginning? I would say it was part of our DNA in that we've always had a little bit of a traditional kind of element to our church that we've wanted to like not write off the past and the history of the church, but incorporate that. Not in everything. Obviously, the church isn't perfect, but there are some elements of the church that just have beauty and like long-sustaining beauty and depth to them that we wanted to incorporate. So in some ways, that was like the DNA of the church. Also, just to be really honest, uh, I feel like when we were planting, a handful of us were not intimately involved in a movement, but like influenced by a movement, kind of Mm. Mars Hill and and different churches Mm. that were kind of revitalizing like a love for hymns, Mm -hmm. either in like writing some more modern hymns or redoing some old hymns. And so I think that was pretty influential on us. And so a lot Mm. of the songs we did were because that was was just a key influence. So... When we're talking about hymns, what does that mean? What's the difference between a hymn and a worship or praise song that people would hear? Because there are probably people listening and thinking, I don't even know what a hymn is. Is that every single song we sing on a Sunday or is that a specific type of song? Mm -hmm. So I... In my limited amount of research, <laughs> which was you are the literally, I guess, yeah, 
I because I, I just read a couple, basically one article. Oh my gosh, <laughs> okay. that's a confession. Uh, it's uh, what I found out is hymns are just a style of music. Mm. It's very much organized. Every verse has the same amount of syllables. Yeah, basically it's just very organized. It's a style of music. I think a lot of times when we think about hymns, we think of oh, like ancient, mm-hmm. you know, probably evangelical American or something like that full of theology but it's really just a style of music because you can have a modern song that has you know very weighty topics very a lot, a lot of theology within it right but yeah hymn is just a style of music it's very much organized there aren't bridges there probably isn't a lot of courses but it's straight up just verses that are very very much organized yeah i think that's helpful because when i was looking up the definition of a hymn mm-hmm. the oxford languages dictionary said a religious song or poem of praise to god or mm-hmm. a god and that could be a lot of different things so i was thinking well there are a lot of songs that are religious songs of praise to God, mm-hmm. but does that really make a hymn different from song? So that's helpful to know that the structure has a lot to do yeah. with how a hymn's defined. Yeah. And that would be in contrast to maybe some more modern yeah, worship songs or whatever, like Christian songs are just less organized in their content or in the melody and structure of the song. Like, I guess, yeah, contrast the hymns being organized to mm-hmm. what would be like a modern Christian song that's not a hymn then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For example, the song, How Deep the father's love for us every i think every line in each stanza has eight syllables Hmm. and the second verse has the same amount of syllables four lines each line having eight syllables the rest of the song is like that and then also the tune that is carried throughout the song is this exact same Hmm. for every verse and i think modern songs don't really care for having the same amount of syllables with each line and also they add bridges they add choruses they have what you call like a vamp section where like the instrumental part that is building to this big chorus part. Um, so there's, there's just not a lot of attention to, I guess the details of how the song like is written as far as like syllables and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's what sets them apart. I don't know if that answers your question a little bit, mm-hmm. but yeah. And I think that's helpful to yeah. have a song example. Mm-hmm. I was actually wondering the other day why it's so much easier for me to memorize yep hymns than it is versus like a contemporary song or whatever that was written today. And I think that's why I think it's because it's created to be the same throughout the entire song or whatever. But it's so interesting because hymns are wordy. They have a lot of substance to them. A lot of even like probably words we don't use, but for me, and I'm guessing from other people too, it's just so easy to memorize. Yeah. And I think it's because of that intentionality that that hymn writers had. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting to think about because when I was reading one of the articles, it said the main function of the music in a hymn is to emphasize the words. Mm. And I think having the same rhythm or cadence to the entire song allows you to better focus on the words and what you're saying, but also to memorize it, which Mm -hmm. is cool. So you kind of get both and you memorize it really easily, but it also allows you to focus on the words. Yeah. Diving into the history of hymns just a little bit, do we see any hymns in the Bible? I always kind of ask that question. Where do we see this in scripture? Andrew's shaking his head. Why are you shaking your head over there? You always ask that question. You should answer this question first. Every time we make rough outlines for these, she always adds that in. Where's this in the Bible? Although I don't think I have this it on the next episode that's coming out. Well, so. I'm sure it will be before we record. <laughs> but yeah, where do we see them in scripture? If I think about music in scripture, I do believe we see that throughout scripture and in the mm-hmm. Psalms, David is singing musical yeah, songs, yeah. but are there any evidences of hymns in scripture? Mm. Well, my mind goes to 
like you just said, you like think of the Old Testament Psalms. I think of the, the song that the Israelite people sing after being delivered from Egypt. Mm. So something that my mind goes to is that God's people have always been a singing people. That's cool. Like from the beginning, I mean, they've responded in song and God yet commands it throughout scripture. So I feel like being a Christian and singing has always been a thing for God's people. I think, dude, and Andrew, you could correct me and tell me that's not true. But I think there's like a reference to Jesus and his disciples singing maybe the night before uh, mm. beginning crucifixion. And I don't know if it's referred to as a hymn. I think there's an epistle where Paul says, uh, sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs or something like yeah, that. Yeah, in Ephesians 5. Yeah. And I think in Colossians 2 in a similar passage, yeah. he says that. Mm. Would you say are psalms different than hymns so raven you mentioned psalms and my thought goes to so hebrew poetry which a lot of these psalms were meant to be sung they are very structured Hmm. and like very articulately put together but i don't know if that's enough to call it a hymn but there is a deep sense of organization parallelism like how they're putting words together Hmm. but maybe it's not precisely a hymn yeah i'd have to know exactly how hebrew poetry works but i think regardless dude there is an intentionality right like i think Mm. i'm sure hebrew poetry is structured a certain way there was a style that they went for hymns have a certain style that they go for they're focused on syllables all this stuff same amount of stanzas lines and i think uh also to contemporary music also has an intentionality it's probably just a little different what they're emphasizing i don't know if it would make them hymns dude but for sure they were thoughtful i'm sure they were Mm. going for something I think Psalm 119 in the Hebrew alphabet, every like paragraph in in Psalm 119 starts with the first letter and then like basically following the alphabet of the Hebrew Mm. language or something like that. I don't know. There's a few Psalms that do that. Do that, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, the Hebrew poetry, yeah, is is crazy intentional Mm. with how they like structure it. And those are songs that are to be sung. And even some of the other songs like, yeah, Moses' song after the Red Sea, um, Hannah's song in First Samuel, like as you get into the actual like poetry of it, it is beautifully articulate. Like it's mm-hmm. not just here's some words I'm getting out. Like it's structured mm-hmm. in a like profound way. Yeah, oftentimes. I think one of the other things that with him, so there is the like command to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Also, this isn't proven, but there's a lot of scholars that'll say like some even passages in the New Testament were probably mm-hmm. hymns or or songs mm-hmm. that were like common in the early church. Philippians two, where it talks about how you know Jesus didn't look to be one with God, but basically gave up of his self so that he could come and humble himself eventually to die on a cross. That that whole passage, I think it's Philippians two, five through eleven or so is thought to be a hymn oh, in the yeah, early church beautiful. that Paul just kind of took and put that in. Mm-hmm. Colossians 1, 15 through like 20 or 21, where it talks about who Christ is. Again, a lot of scholars think that was probably a hymn that was sung that he inserted there. Mm-hmm. Um, because, especially like you were saying with hymns, they just have like a depth and kind of a robust like nature to them mm-hmm. that they really are filled with truth that mm-hmm. if that's true... Paul even took that and like put that into scripture as theological truth for the church, Mm, um, which is a cool thought that like even some of those, like even in our scriptures, we have all these songs that are put in as God's word for God's people. Mm. I was thinking about this. So if, if like hymns is just a style of music, 
as opposed to the style that we sing like today. So then the question that came to my mind is, so then why do we, we associate hymns with like being theological and like really sound and having a lot of like depth to them? I think it's because when hymns were being written, I think it was a time probably when God's people were really immersed in scripture. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that's probably why when we think of a hymn, an old song, it's like, oh, it's so wordy, super deep and has a lot of substance to it. It's probably because when, when these songs are being written, this style of music was being written. It's probably because people are just spending a lot of time in their Bibles mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe now, maybe we just don't do it as much or we're just not as versed as they were. But but not to say there isn't music like that today. There are there's some yeah. solid music. There's something to be said about the people writing hymns. Mm. They were probably just really they were they're spending a lot of time in the in the word. Yeah. Well, mm. and if they're doing mm. it out of true praise and adoration, and we'll look at two mm. hymns next week and kind of dissect them. If you look at those people that wrote them, they truly were doing it out of this overflow and abundance of love for God and mm. understanding of what He's done for them. Mm. And out of that flowed a song. Mm. And that's not to say that just because a song is old and considered right. considered to him, it's like solid. There's yeah. some old ones that aren't really that great in their hymns yeah. or whatever. But it is to say that the hymns that were written with deep truths or just p- things that people could relate to and find hope in and be reminded of the good news. Those are the songs that have stuck around. So there's something to be, there's a question to be asked like, okay, but why have those stuck around? And I think it's because they were deep and they, yeah. they actually addressed probably the struggles that Christians were going through mm-hmm. are going through. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. but I think because of maybe the depth of some of that also, mm-hmm the ability to memorize it a little bit quicker because Mm -hmm. of its consistency has made it a lot easier. I think in times of either suffering or struggling, it is crazy. My mind can just pick up some of these hymns in those moments. I don't need to hear it play. I don't need to look up the lyrics. Those are the things that in those like hard moments, it almost always tends to be a hymn Mm. that I like go to in those moments. And that's not always, and, and that's probably not for everybody, but there is something about some of those songs that do just stick in your mind. So I have them memorized or a couple of verses memorized and there's a depth to them that when life is really hard, it just, I, I just need something deep to help sustain mm. me. And it's oftentimes those songs yeah. that will like give that to me in that moment, which is also, I think a part of the beauty of seeing them, you know, consistently in the life of the church is in one ways to in that moment, encourage the church to worship God and also to give them ammunition in mm. those really dark moments yeah. of life that they've got the, that stuff kind of in them that mm. now they can use. So in some ways we're equipping people to be able to navigate those moments in life because they've got it's either true. some scriptures or some hymns or something. My wife's grandma passed away a year or two ago now. A lot of stuff with her mind was kind of going and stuff. And there were still some hymns that at a moment's notice, she could just Mm. sing them and she could recite. Like there's just something about it that just sticks in people. And even as her body is failing and her mind is failing, Mm. she could still come up with some of those hymns. Mm. And there's a sense of worship even in her at that point. Mm. Dude, that's good. I've had the same experience that when, when I've had just moments of doubt or just some moments of trial. I mean, I remember 
one specific time, the middle of the night, just really wrestling with the Lord. And what's the song that I sang? It was a hymn. It was in Christ alone, which mm-hmm. is a, a contemporary mm-hmm. hymn, a, a more a newer one. But that's what my mind went to. Yeah. And that's probably something about the structure, the intentionality behind the song, but, and the truths, most, yeah. most importantly, the truths behind the song. But I would agree that when I'm struggling, usually it's a hymn that I'll start yeah. singing. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it is the truth for sure. And yeah. the structure of the song. But. Yeah. So we've mentioned a number of different hymns. How do you choose a hymn that will sing for Sunday? Because there are mm-hmm. some hymns that we have and some yeah. that we will never touch. What's the reasoning behind that? Simply, if it's biblical, obviously, like it's yeah. true, what, what what it's communicating is true and found in God's word. And then also, honestly, if it's like artistically pleasing to play or beautiful, like it sounds like a song that people would want to sing. I think both are important. Obviously, the first wins out the second. Like mm-hmm. I'm always going to want to sing a song that's true over whether it sounds pleasing to the ear. But those are the two things that, that I do really kind of go off of is... Is it true? And is it beautiful? Like, will our people mm-hmm. want to sing it? And will it be memorable? And can they sing it too, I guess? But yeah, those are the two things that I kind of go by. Because there are some songs out there that are really solid, but they just sound really boring. <laughs> and there's some songs out there that are really fun that I'm like, man, that would be so fun for our people to sing. But I'm like, but it's just so shallow. And I don't even know, I don't really know what it's saying or that's vague. And so I just don't, but when I find a song that both of those are true, that's like the sweet spot. But then there's like another thing I think about. I sometimes like singing older songs too. Typically an older song would be a hymn, but sometimes I intentionally choose a song that is older. So it in some ways connects or reminds our church that we belong to a long history of like God's story or whatever like there have been people who showed up on the scene way before we did who sang this song or wrote this song and now we're singing it and these things are still true about god so it kind of reminds our church that we're not the only church that exists right now and has existed there are other christians to whom god was faithful to who yeah followed him and these songs came about and i think that's good for us to remember just to wrap up, let's get a little practical for a second. Okay. Next week, we are going to dissect and go through two different hymns so that everyone can better understand them. But Steve, how do you want to leave people today as they think of hymns? If they've never really thought about them before, this is the first time they're thinking of them deeply. What do you want to leave them with? My mind thinks of, this will be interesting, but my wife, Lindsay, for example, she doesn't like hymns and that's okay. <laughs> They're a different style. But I would say to the Christian who doesn't really enjoy them, I would encourage you to try and listen to them, to view them almost like vegetables. I don't nice. like eating vegetables, but I know they're good for me. <laughs> so every once in a while in your like spiritual journey, your Christian formation, listen to him. It's probably not going to be your first choice, but listen to it. Listen to the words. Try to figure out why it was written. And I think when you digest that song, that that old ancient hymn, I think there's something about it that will encourage you to trust in God more. It'll just be, I, I think, fruitful for your walk with Christ. Thank you for joining us today. The goal of the Christian Formation Podcast is to form disciples to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. If you want to find out more about us, check us out at ProvidenceOmaha.org. If you have podcast topics, comments, or questions, please email us at formation at providenceomaha.org. We'll see you next week.